and uh, we trust that uh, this has been a, a wonderful uh, morning of celebration. Uh, we're actually uh, looking uh, this morning and, and last week as well, we were looking at uh, in the Bible about a person named Barnabas. Uh, and Barnabas was a very unique character uh, in the Bible. And last week we saw a little bit about the character of Barnabas. We saw that actually his name wasn't Barnabas, his name was Joseph, but he was nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Uh, today, of course, we talked about Malachi and Alexander and what their names mean. And the, in the early church at that time, they gave the name Barnabas to this man Joseph because he was such an encourager. And so we saw last week how uh, Barnabas was a man of faith who was empowered by the Spirit. Uh, he displayed radical generosity with his money and time and service. And he was a leader who was marked by faithfulness, and he overflowed with visionary encouragement. Now, today we had child dedications, we had baptisms, we, we prayed a special prayer of blessing for all of the children. Why did we do all of those things? I hope to answer that question maybe in a little deeper way through this message as we see the impact of a man named Barnabas, and we'll get to that at the end. Okay? Anyone recognize this? Some people? This is known as the Jumpman. It's a brand popularized by Michael Jordan, right? It's known as the Jumpman. This logo that's used by Nike uh, has generated millions and billions of dollars just by this logo, right? It's known as the Nike Jumpman logo. Now, Michael Jordan, who is pretty famous throughout the world as probably the best basketball player uh, that's ever played before. No qualms against the LeBron James fans here. But the truth is, Michael Jordan was the best basketball player, okay, uh, that ever played. Okay, I grew up watching him uh, play. And do you know what happened? When Michael Jordan first came out of, um, out of uh, university, college, and he was looking to sign uh, an endorsement deal for his as a shoe endorsement deal. A lot of basketball players do it nowadays. At that time, it was starting to become popular. Now, Jordan wanted to sign with Adidas. The only problem was that Adidas wasn't signing basketball players for endorsements, right? They, didn't, they looked at this guy named Jordan who you know, was a great player coming out of college, but what was he really gonna do in the NBA? Right? And Jordan really wanted to sign with Adidas. He liked their shoes. He wanted to meet with them. Instead, he ended up signing with Nike. He didn't really want to sign with Nike. Actually, his agent pushed him and had to convince him to go for, for the meeting with Nike. The problem was that Adidas lacked vision and foresight in order to see the kind of athlete and transformational player that Michael Jordan would be, not just... Uh, in basketball, but really throughout culture as well. Uh, and so Nike made a deal with, with uh, Jordan and they put out his shoes which are pretty bright and flamboyant to begin with. And the NBA actually thought uh, that this was a little bit too much, these shoes that Michael Jordan had. And so they actually fined Michael Jordan $5,000 a game when he was wearing his shoes, the shoes by Nike. Uh, Nike decided to pay the fines themselves because they thought this is going to be something that's big. Till today, Jordan is one of the very few billionaire athletes in the world and is probably still the most marketable name 
in sports where he's bringing in so much money to today. He revolutionized sports marketing. Nike had a vision to be able to see that in Jordan. Unfortunately for Adidas, they missed out on billions and billions and billions of dollars. Just to give you an example, from May 2018 to May 2019, in that one year period of time, the Jordan brand, this brand here, generated $3 billion worth, right, in one year. So can you imagine what Adidas missed out on? Anyone remember these guys? They were a movie rental company where you could go and rent movies and give, you know, give your VHS tapes back to them, right? You could go and look through, right? How times have changed, right? Now, with uh, companies like Disney Plus and Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and streaming video, do you know that the founder of Netflix approached the CEO of Blockbuster um, in, I think it was around the year 2000, uh, wanting to sell Netflix to Blockbuster, and the CEO of Blockbuster, for $50 million, now that was a big price, $50 million, and the CEO of Blockbuster said, no thanks, right? They thought Netflix was a niche market, they were doing things differently. Now, they were DVDs as well at the time, but they were doing it through boxes and different type of rental, different type of subscription, no late fees, et cetera, et cetera, right? But Netflix got out in front of Blockbuster in the streaming service, and unfortunately, Blockbuster didn't have the vision and foresight to see the world changing around them and didn't catch up fast enough, and they, they went bankrupt. And Netflix now, they wanted to be bought out for $50 million at that time. Now Netflix is worth over $200 billion, right? So it really takes vision and it really takes foresight to see things that other people can't see. It takes a gift to be able to see things and to understand things and have a vision for things that other people can't see. And Barnabas, he had this gift. And I just want to talk to you this morning about three things about Barnabas, specifically three sort of uh, interactions that Barnabas had. The first one is that Barnabas saw something in Paul before others did. Now, Paul, his other name was Saul, so as we read some verses, you'll see uh, the, the name Saul come up. So if you see Saul, it's really Paul. Both names were used, right? Now, this guy named uh, Paul, he was actually a persecutor of the church. He didn't want people to become Christians. He didn't want people to follow Jesus. And here, when one of the people were stoned, when Stephen was stoned, it says here, Saul, again, that's Paul, was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. So Saul, later known as Paul, was, was completely against what was happening uh, at that time, and he was persecuting Christians. But one day, on his way to a city called Damascus, he was going to Damascus because he wanted to persecute more Christians in that area. And as he was on his way to Damascus, he had a supernatural experience and encounter with Jesus Christ. In Acts uh, you can read about it in, uh, in Acts chapter 9 and how Jesus came to him and Paul, he saw a vision of Jesus and he said, who are you? And he said, uh, and the voice answered him and said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And Paul couldn't believe it. He, this, this, these people that he was persecuting, followers of Jesus, now Jesus, their leader, appears to him and, and he couldn't believe what was happening. 
And after that, he ended up becoming a follower of Jesus. He said, well, this, if he's the living and true God, then I need to follow him as well. So in Acts 9 and verse 20, it says, immediately after he had this experience with Jesus, uh, and he says that he started to preach uh, about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the Son of God. But people were skeptical about Paul, and rightly so. This man was persecuting the church, causing people to be killed because they were following Jesus. Now he switches sides, and he's on the opposite team, right? He was persecuting this side, and now he switches over, and he says, well, I'm going to join this side because I really see that this is the, the right way, okay? And people on that side are skeptical. They're like, oh. I don't know. Are you sure? Maybe he's just trying to get to this side, and then, and then when, we, when we least expect it, boom, he'll kill us. They were, they were a little bit skeptical about it. So it says here uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Right? They were scared, and rightly so. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas, our good friend Barnabas here, look at what he does. He brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. See, Barnabas put his neck out on the line to vouch for Paul because Barnabas saw something in Paul that nobody else could see. Barnabas had a vision for the future. Barnabas saw the potential in Saul, that he was willing to put his neck out on the line, his reputation on the line, and vouch for Saul to the other uh, apostles and to the other believers, right? In, in Acts chapter 11, it says, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. See, Barnabas believed in Saul, or we'll call him Paul. He believed in him. He gave him responsibility. He encouraged his gifts of leadership and teaching. And it's because uh, of these opportunities, I believe, that Paul became the teacher that we know him today. Paul was able to develop his teaching gifts. Paul was able to develop uh, his, uh, the, the gifts and graces that God had given to him because of Barnabas. See, Barnabas went out Paul, Saul was sort of cast out. He was in Tarsus. Nobody wanted uh, anything to do with him. They were, quite frankly, they were afraid of him. They're like, are you sure this guy's really a believer in Jesus? He could turn around and kill us. But, so, but Barnabas saw something in Paul or saw something in Saul and said, I'm going to help this man. Can I ask you a question today? Who is the Paul in your life? We all need people like that in our lives. We need people that see something in us. We need people that support us, people that speak life into us. Who is that Paul that's in your life? That person that needs a word of encouragement, that person that needs your belief, your time, your energy to make a difference in the world today. Parents, can I encourage you as we prayed for children today, as we baptized youth today, as we prayed a prayer of blessing over the kids, can I encourage you parents to believe in your children, to speak life into your children, to support their dreams, to encourage them? Be the believer in them. 
And for all of us, look for the Pauls that are around you. Look for the Sauls that are around you. Maybe they're people that are despised, that nobody wants to talk to. Maybe they're, those are some people that, that, you know, they don't mingle with anyone else. Can you be the Barnabas with visionary foresight to see there's something there? In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, it says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Let me tell you a story of a man named John Minder. John Minder was actually an Alliance pastor in the United States. And he himself was actually profoundly invested into by another pastor named A.B. Simpson, who's actually the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is our denomination. Now, John Minder, he actually founded a Bible college called the Florida Bible College, which is now known as Trinity College, right? And in that college, he actually met a man named William Graham, known to some of us as Billy Graham. Anybody know that person? Quite famous throughout the world in the Christian world, but in the non-Christian world as well. Uh, An advisor to presidents, traveled around the world, preached the gospel. But this man, John Minder, was the college dean when William Graham came to that college, and he mentored William Graham. He encouraged William Graham. In the spring of 1937, Minder invited Graham to stay at at a conference center where they were at. And on Easter Sunday, okay, Easter Sunday is really like the pinnacle Sunday in the Christian calendar. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. On Easter Sunday, he took him to a place called uh, Palakatai, or Palakai, I'm pronouncing that wrong probably, where he was supposed to speak. This is in the United States where, where Minder was supposed to speak. But when they got there, do you know what Minder told William, the young William Graham? Guess what? Today you're going to speak. And he was like, what? He was like, he told him, he's like, no way. I can't, I can't speak tonight. He was horrified, right? He said he'd never preached before, right? And so Minder told him, you're preaching tonight. When you run out, I'll come and take over. Don't worry, right? So Graham had been practicing some messages. He had a book of of sermons, and so he'd been practicing some messages. So there was actually four sermons that he had sort of semi-memorized that he was practicing. He preached all four of them in the span of eight minutes. He was so scared, so nervous. He preached for eight minutes and went and sat down, right? But Minder continued to invest into Billy Graham. He continued to mentor him. He invited him to become the youth pastor at his 2,000-seat church called the Tampa Gospel Tabernacle. And Minder also officiated Billy Graham's wedding to his wife, Ruth Bell. Billy Graham ended up preaching to more people in live audiences than anyone in history. 215 million people in more than 185 countries and territories. Hundreds of millions more through television, video, film, and webcasts. But it all started with one person who believed in him. It all started with one person who encouraged him, who invested into him, who with visionary foresight saw something in Billy Graham that said, Billy, you better preach tonight, and mentored him and helped him and encouraged him. Friends, can we do that one with another? It might not be to preach, 
But there's so many other things that the Lord is calling us to do. Number two, Barnabas believed in Mark when Paul lost faith in him. Now, going back to the story, what happened is, so Barnabas, let me just set the stage here, Barnabas is investing into Paul, right? They become good friends. Barnabas brings Paul to the church in Antioch, and they're teaching the people, and all of this is happening. And then God calls Barnabas and Paul to go out onto a missionary journey, to go and preach the gospel all over the world, or in the known world at that time, right? And there was a young man named Mark who uh, was traveling with them, and in one sense, Barnabas was also mentoring uh, Mark. Uh, it's a beautiful example of, of mentorship. I myself have been blessed by older pastors, mentors, people that have invested into me, spoken into my life. I've been able to travel with them, learn from them, uh, given opportunities to grow, and I myself can see in, in many ways uh, being like Mark, having people that have invested into my life, right? But one day things got a little bit hard for Mark. In Acts 13, verse 13, it says, Paul and his companions then left uh, Paphos uh, by ship to Pamphylia, landing at the port of Perga. There John Mark, also known as Mark, left them and returned to Jerusalem. So Mark was traveling with Paul and Barnabas in their missionary journeys as they were traveling to share the gospel, share the good news with with people. Uh, But at one point, it got a little bit difficult for, uh, for Mark, and so he left them, as it says here. It wasn't easy, all the traveling. Maybe, you know, he didn't have the same nice bed to sleep in every morning. Maybe he just wanted his cup of coffee and donuts, and, you know, you couldn't do that, you know, uh, with, uh, with, with Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and also, one thing you have to realize is traveling with Paul wasn't an easy thing. Traveling with Paul meant that you might be kicked out of the city. Traveling with Paul meant that you might be stoned, Right? Traveling with Paul meant hardships and persecutions and suffering. So you can't fault the guy, right, for saying, hey, like, this is, this is a little bit too much, right? But Paul didn't appreciate the fact that Mark left them. So when it came to the second time when Paul and Barnabas were going to make this journey to visit all of these various churches, Barnabas believed in Mark when Paul didn't want to have anything to do with him. Barnabas said, let's bring Mark again with us on this journey. And Paul said, no, 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 no way we're bringing Mark. Remember the last time that he was with us? And when things got tough and hard, Mark just took off and he just left us high and dry. We're not bringing him again. But Barnabas saw something in Mark. And Barnabas believed in Mark when even Paul didn't believe in Mark. And Barnabas wanted to continue to invest into him. Maybe Barnabas knew that his investment into Paul was, ah, it's done. Paul is, you're doing pretty good right now, Paul. You know, you're, you're at a place where you could be on your own. And, you know, maybe Barnabas thought, okay, that's good. That's good enough for now. Let me spend time investing into Mark. Now, some Bible scholars think that this Mark is the same Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark. It's very likely. Now, if you take Barnabas' investment into Paul, who wrote so many books of the Bible, and Barnabas' investment into Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, if it wasn't for Barnabas, we would be missing a good chunk of the New Testament. But because of Barnabas' visionary foresight and seeing that there's something there in Mark that other people don't see, that Paul doesn't see, because there's something there in Mark that I want to develop and I want to invest in, he said, I'm going to continue to do that. 
Later on, we actually see Paul changing his mind about Mark. Later on, when Paul comes to the end of his journey, 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote just before he died. And look at what he says here. Last chapter in 2 Timothy, verse 11, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. Oh yeah, now Paul, you want him, right? Before it was like, get this guy Mark out of here. He left us the last time. He's no good. You know, let's cast him to a side. And Barnabas is like, no, 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 Paul. There's something of value in this young man. Paul, there's something of worth in this young man. Paul, I really think that we should keep Mark because this guy is going to be a gem. No, 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 I don't want him. But as Paul matured, as Paul got, grew older, and here at the end of Paul's ministry, what does he say? He you know that guy, Mark? Yeah, he's actually a good guy. I think he can really help me. Can you make sure that he comes as well when you come? Timothy, when, when you come over here, please bring Mark, because I see some value in him. Paul finally, finally realized at the end of his life that Mark was a good person. Thankfully, Barnabas was able to see it way before Paul, and quite frankly, way before everyone else and probably way before Mark even knew himself. uh, Barnabas was able to see something in in, in Mark's life. My question to all of us today, who's the Mark in your life? Who's the Mark that's beside you, that's surrounding you, that's close by to you? Maybe other people reject him or despise him or her. Maybe other people don't want want to have anything to do with her. Who's the mark that you can encourage? Who's the mark that you can speak life into? Romans 1 verse 12 says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. This is Paul. I think Paul's actually learned a little bit about encouragement from Barnabas. So he says here, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. See, Barnabas saw the good in others when others couldn't see that. Barnabas saw the cup half full instead of the cup being half empty. You know, sometimes we can have a pessimistic outlook on life. And in every situation and circumstance that we're in, we can look at that and say, ah, the cup is half empty. Why am I in this situation? Or we can look at the same situation and say, hey, the cup is half full. Look at the blessing that God has given to me and and God has given to my family. Barnabas saw the good in others when when other people couldn't see that, right? Now, when, when he came to Antioch, it's interesting because Barnabas came to Antioch, it was a fledgling church, and he saw good in that church. In Acts 11 verse 23, it says, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to God, right? He was able to see the good in others, right? Now, let me be clear here, and especially for those that are visiting uh, here with us today, no church is perfect, right? Unionville Alliance Church, we're not perfect either, right? We're, we're a hospital for sick people, right? We have faults and we have failures, and every church has faults and failures. In fact, if you find a perfect church, better not join it. Leave them alone and let them be perfect, because if you join it, then you're going to make it not perfect, <laughs> right? We're not perfect, We have faults, we have failures, and sometimes there's, you know, things that go on, and and with Paul and Barnabas, you know, they knocked heads a little bit, and they didn't get along at all times either, and and we're not perfect either. I'm not going to say that we're the perfect or best church by, by any stretch of the imagination. 
but I want us to be like Barnabas because when Barnabas came to that fledgling church, he could have seen all the negative things, but he didn't. He saw the good in that church, right? It says here, when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessings, he was filled with joy. Trust me, there were a lot of problems going on at that time. There was a lot of contentions. There was a lot of disagreements of the way forward. But Barnabas was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Friends, can I encourage you today to encourage one another? Speak life to one another. I remember in my own life, I had a, I had a grade 8 teacher. Her name was Mrs. Tetley. Like Tetley T? Her name was Mrs. Tetley. When I was in grade 8, she saw something in me. She told me about this program about being a page in the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. And you can apply to that, and you can actually get a really good experience. I didn't think I could do anything like that. But she saw something in me and said, you know, Daniel, you could do that. And I applied and I got it. And I was able to serve as a page in the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. Not because I thought I could do anything, but I had a teacher that believed in me. And how many know that we can have parents, we can have teachers, we can have loved ones, we can have people around us that believe in us, that cause us to do things that we might never have thought that we would do. When I was working on my, on my master's degree at, at Tyndale Seminary, um, I started there and I didn't know what I was doing. I had been away from school for so many years and I thought, how am I going to be able to study at a, at a master's level and learn and, and do all of these things? I was so nervous. The, the, my first class, I went to the writing center and I brought my paper. I was like, am I doing this right? But I had a professor. I'll tell you straight off, he believed in me more than anyone else has believed in me in my whole entire life. He saw my writing. He saw me. He encouraged me to the nth degree. He told me, Daniel, you should go and do a PhD in England. I'm going to help you. You can do this and that. And he put out all of these proposals and all these things that he thought that I could do that, quite frankly, I thought, I can't do that. But his encouragement and his words of life and his belief in me encouraged me so much so that I could do things that I thought I wouldn't be able to do. And friends, that's what it is to encourage one another. That's what it is to speak life. That's what it is to see something in other people. He saw something in me that I didn't even see. And quite frankly, I still don't see, right? But he saw something. And he was right there to encourage me along the way. And that's what we can do for others. With visionary foresight, let's see the people that God has placed around us. And let's encourage them, let's support them, let's build them up. The last thing, and I'll close with this, is that Barnabas saw the hope, power, and beauty of the gospel. Barnabas saw this before many other people actually saw this. See, Barnabas was willing to commit his finances, his money, his time, and his energy to the message of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, it says, for instance, there was Joseph, that's Barnabas, right? the one who the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He, told, he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. See, Barnabas knew the value and worth of the message of the gospel before many other people knew the value and worth of the message of the gospel. He was willing to sell his own property, take the money, bring it to the church, and say, here, use this, because I believe in this mission. 
I believe in this message. I believe in the power of God. See, Barnabas was touched and changed by Jesus, and he wanted others to know it, and he was willing to put himself on the line for that with his money, with his energy, with his time, with, with commitment. When God called him in Acts chapter 13, it says, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Barnabas was willing to give up everything that he had to spread this message of the gospel and to share it with others. Traveling with Paul meant dangers and persecution and hardships, but he did it. Why did Barnabas do this? Why was Barnabas willing to sell his land and give it for the furtherance of the gospel? Why was Barnabas willing to sacrifice his whole life and with his energy and time and effort go out and travel with Paul to bring this message of the gospel to others? Why did he do that? Because he saw the beauty and the power and the hope and the love of Jesus that radically transformed and changed his life. And he said, this is so important. This is so necessary. Whatever it takes, whatever money it takes, whatever time it takes, whatever energy it takes, my life I am giving for this message. Why did we dedicate these children this morning to the Lord? It's because these parents saw some value and worth in following Jesus and their desire for their children to follow Jesus. Why did these young people take baptism and declare that they wanted to follow Jesus? Because they saw value and worth in the message of the gospel. They saw what it means. They saw the, the power in the gospel. These parents saw the importance in the gospel. These youth saw the importance in the gospel. That's what I'd like to share with you as I close today. What is that message of the gospel? Why did Barnabas do all of this? Why did he sell his land? Why did he give up his life? Why did he surrender himself to do God's will? He saw the power in the gospel. And friends, today you can experience that same power as well. Here's the message of the gospel. We are all sinners. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and come, fall short of the glory of God. We're, we're all sinners, you and me alike. We're all, we've all failed the Lord. We've all done wrong in our life. But the beauty is that God loves us all. Clearly seen in the Gospel of John Chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to us, that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. We're all sinners. And you might think, okay, well, if I'm a sinner, God doesn't want me. No, it's the total opposite. We are all sinners, but God loves us with an everlasting love like nothing we've ever experienced before. And Jesus died to forgive us of our sins. We're sinners in need of God's grace. We are sinners in need of forgiveness. And so Jesus died to forgive us. In Ephesians, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to, with the, in accordance with the riches of his God's grace. See, Jesus came down to earth 
he left his glory in heaven and he came down to earth and he died on the cross out of his great love for us so that we would be redeemed, so that we could be forgiven, so that we can have eternal life with him. And the message of the gospel doesn't stop there, but Jesus desires to heal us. 1 Peter 2, it says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Friends, if you're here today and you have a physical bodily affliction, Jesus can heal you. If, you, if, you, if you're here today and you have an emotional affliction and you're, you're feeling in torment inside, Jesus can heal you. Friends, if you're here today and you feel far away from God, Jesus can heal that relationship because he heals us body, soul, and spirit. And Jesus wants, and the message of the gospel doesn't end there because the message of the gospel is that Jesus wants to set us free. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And today if you're here and you're, you feel like you're in bondage, today if you f- you're here and you feel like you're under some type of oppression and you just don't feel happy or content or you feel like there's just something that's against you and it's just problem after problem, Jesus wants to set you free. And the message of the gospel has power because Jesus rose again from the dead and is alive forevermore. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter it says, in his great mercy he has given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has given us new hope. Because Jesus is alive, we can also be alive. That death is not the end, it is not the final chapter, but we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. Friends, if you're here today and you're thinking, oh no, I'm sick and I'm at the point of death, I don't know what's going to happen, let me tell you that Jesus is alive, and because he is alive, we can be alive as well forevermore as we accept him into our lives. See, all we need to do is repent and turn to Jesus. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, I don't know what situation you're here today, and if you're watching online, I don't know what your situation is today. But I know this one thing, that way before many other people knew, Barnabas saw the power of the gospel. Barnabas saw the message of the gospel. And he said, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to sell my land and I'm going to give the money here because I want to see this message go forth. Forget about what I'm doing. If Jesus calls me and he did, I'm going to go out and I'm going to travel around and I'm going to share this message of the gospel. And if we repent and turn to Jesus, he's here to forgive us. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 says this. That if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is why we as a church seek to touch our world through Jesus one life at a time. It's because of this message. It's because of the power of the gospel. It's because of the beauty of the gospel. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. We want to share that with everyone else. Can I ask you all to stand at this time?
And I just want to pray for us. I, I want to pray. I want you to pray with me if you would like to give and commit your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and then we're going to sing. And if something's been tugging on your heart or something's been moving in your spirit and saying, man, I need to start following Jesus. If something's been upon your heart and you're saying, I need to give up what I'm doing here and, and commit my life to Christ, like, like some of these young people did in taking baptism and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Then can I ask you maybe just to pray with me right now? I'll pray very slowly and, and if you want to pray just within your heart or if you want to pray verbally, whichever you like, if you want to repeat after me or if you don't want to say anything and just pray within your heart, God sees your heart. But let's pray and ask the Father to forgive us and let's turn to him. Heavenly Father, we look to you at this time. We thank you for sending Jesus into this world to die for us. We believe that he is the Son of God, that he died, he was crucified, he was buried, and then he rose again. And Lord, we commit our life to you. Lord, we realize that we are sinners in need of your saving grace. So, Lord, we repent of our sins and turn to you. And, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us, and that you would give us new life in Christ. We confess that we have failed you, but we thank you for your great love for us. And we ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, can I ask you maybe just to fill out our welcome card or, or contact us if, if there's a way for us that we can support you or help you or, or help you in these first steps in walking with Jesus, we would love to be able to do that. And if you can connect with us, you can get our information on our website, uachome.org, or email us, info at uachome.org. We would love to walk with you in this journey and maybe take some next steps in this Christian walk. Let's sing to the Lord today.